Thanks for joining us here at WagerAger. D-Nice, we are here to talk about baseball. We got out of the lockout. JJ and Yanni are here with me again. JJ, how many off-season articles have you written? Because I've We've lost got- count. They're, they're pretty awesome, though. Thank you. Well, yeah, we got one for each of the six divisions, and it kind of wrapped wrapped it back up at the end just because I think the first one rolled out March 13th, was it, which was a day that after you know win totals start to come out. And a lot happened within a few weeks. So try to summarize it. Some big changes like Freeman going to the Dodgers. That was the first one we wrote, but it was without, big one. you know, Freeman there. So um, considerable changes, uh, but it's been a hell of an off season. I mean, it was a long wait for a long time. We talked about that before, but once they fired it back up, it was, uh, you know, crossfire, stay out of the crossfire. Out of the crossfire, we did not know if there was going to be a full. Well, we we knew that there was going to be a full season. We weren't sure when this thing was going to start. Um, I think that we had like an over under of maybe Memorial Day, and I was saying, hey, I could see it being June or July. But here we are. JJ's done all the homework. Yanni, of course, he has his his props and everything like that. Always good to talk with Yanni about the props. It's NFL offseason here, Yanni. Do you spend your time looking at draft props now, MLB props, a little bit of everything? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I'm pretty pretty focused on what's happening in the NFL, but, uh, you know, I, I generally lean on JJ to follow his baseball bets. But um, I do enjoy finding some player props. I know last year we found a couple of nice ones and hopefully have a couple more this year we can look at for anybody who likes the futures market. I love the futures market, especially when we get things of value. JJ, do you recall last year? Not that it hit, but that Seattle, I think 66 to one that Yanni told us, he was like, hey. Yanni's amazing. They're not going to win the division, but this long shot, never say never. And I think Seattle was in that division race for a long while, at least until August. I mean, they finished what? They charged at the end. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But Houston, you know, they were chasing Houston. Houston, you know, stayed their course, so they had a lot to make up. But Seattle gave me a run for my money because I had, you know, preseason Houston tickets um, to win the division, you know, pretty good on them. So uh, Seattle, Yanni, I mean, I would have been been happy to see that if Yanni got it, though. Hey, well, you know, I think I mentioned on their transparency, I didn't actually bet that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't gotcha. uh, just wasn't disappointing, it. but obviously when you throw up a Hail Mary like that, it's nice when you're in contention. I, I don't have any 66 to ones, but I do later on, we'll get to, uh, if we get to some props, I do have a 50 to one player prop that I like. So uh, maybe yes. we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. 50 to one is close enough. And I think the 66 to one came to light. I think that was in early to mid May. So sometimes you just let things play out for four to six weeks. And then we move on from there. That might be a nice little segue, JJ, in terms of yeah the early going of the season, you've done all of your homework. There's a lot of things that we could talk about, but what are you looking for? You know, first three, four, even six weeks of the season to maybe fine tune your process. Are you betting, smaller Definitely. units or are you going all in from the start you've tweaked things maybe as you've gotten more mature as a better but how are you usually handling it in the month of april now these days i just fire away i'm i'm doing you know my full amount love it you know from the get go and that's again because if i'm going to spend that time to put into you know working kind of player level um, by position for each team net change what to expect you know, using really good projections that are available and, you know, trying to shape it. I want to be there out of the box. And, you know, I've run into situations where, you know, you're the Cardinals last year, you know, where they were really cold hitting 
and I was higher on them, much higher on them. They made that late charge for sure, but I was way early. So that's where you really have to use some of that feedback and try to look into some of the expected numbers. It's hard to tell after two or three weeks, but you really have to be willing to shape your numbers, um, but not give in too much to what you're seeing. And realistically, a month, I mean, what we saw in 2020 with the 60 game season really had some abnormal type of performances when you look at certain players. So think about that, put that in context. Three weeks into the season isn't necessarily what you should are going to expect from that team over a full six months. 2020 was really an anomaly. It didn't start until yep. what late July because of COVID. Yep. And then we were what sprint to the finish from the get-go is what 60 game season, eight teams made the playoffs. So yeah, that was kind of crazy. And then last year, refresh my memory, but I recall the first two months of the season, what scoring was down. People were thinking maybe they did something to the ball. Is it the weather? Yeah. There were a lot of theories going on out there, but it seemed like the ball yeah. wasn't traveling as far. A lot of hard Would contact you... ending up in flyouts. True, but you you said it though. Remember 2020, and we want to compare year over year data, but there's a lot of factors in play. The ball certainly is, but if if you if you were looking at 2021, a month and a half into the season, you know only a portion of the games are playing in warm weather climates, and you know you still have like you know maybe even 60 percent, arguably into the Midwest that are playing in. Um, conditions, temperature conditions that are that you didn't have in 2020 because they started the season in July. Yeah, so, you, you can have games that are in borderline snow yeah, conditions. Like the Twins yeah. have to snow out some series sometimes because it's snowing, because it's April. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're going to have a whole bunch of 40-some degree games on opening day and it, Friday. It sucks. <laughs> and, you know, with wind, players, we're having, we're having wins. So, it's you can't really draw the same conclusions. I think as you went on through the season last season, scoring did pick up as expected as you get the Cincinnati, St. Louis by the river, humid, all that sort of, you know, whatever they talk about, Pittsburgh, Cincy, you know, those cities Chicago, where things really out, right? become yeah. conducive to scoring as expected. Now I'm not saying there wasn't a drop off and that there aren't other things at work, but I think you have to, continue to remember we're talking about your if you're looking year over year it's a six-month season and a lot changes atmospherically all that teams go through slumps weather changes it's really tough to to kind of take that position i think it is a grind of a sport to play it is a grind of a sport to bet on six i mean it's seven months of the season if you include the playoffs you start out with like, like you said, probably 60% of the teams, not great conditions. You go into hot and humid, and then we end up with sometimes cold conditions, almost yeah, winter conditions, good. depending where the world series is being played that Chicago and Cleveland world series had, had some cold ones. I think way back, I think it was snowing for the Indians and Marlins. Whenever so. the Yankees were in it back in the nineties and all that, Craziness. you know, that was, so, those were, but yeah, anyways, kind of got off there, but a lot of ups and downs. That's what happens in the season. And, just, just to talk about that for 20 seconds also, I mean, you do put out a lot of articles and you do bet, I mean, five to six days of the week. But if yeah. you're starting off or even if you've been doing this for um, a few years, if, if, if you hit like a stretch that's just not going so well, so sometimes the best thing to do, especially in the thick of the season, just take off for like a few yes. days in May, oh, yeah. June, July, because it's six to seven months. And there's a yeah. game each and every oh, yeah. day. There, there's a hundred. You ain't missing nothing. Just, if you take off a few days, if you take off a week, yeah. Just level. Like if we set. go on vacation, I'm 
the laptops at home. Yeah, that's Just for sure. Unplug, man. Unplug. Yep. So. With that being said, before we get into some lines and futures and all that good stuff, just real quick, rule changes. 2022, we do have some rule changes. National yep. League finally has that DH permanently, so that's cool, that's right? It. That's it. No more value more. to their offenses. So that means that Tony Rusa can't hit the pitcher eighth anymore, even though he's no longer coaching the National League. But, hey, if you want to hit the pitcher eighth, I guess you really could. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> I don't know. It's a strategy. The shift – apparently is no longer with us right so that's an interesting one yep for yep. teams like tampa and who else used to employ the shift quite a bit tampa san fran i want to say there's another team that i i can't think of right now tuesday night after know, work but, yeah but uh you know i mean well, I it's think gone it just a regular thing you know the last few years for most teams but yeah early on you had some odd innovators in, innovators Pittsburgh was an innovator of the defensive shift. That's a team I'm thinking of. Thank yep. you. Yep. Well, yep. Hold on. We got to give credit. The bad news bears were the original <laughs> innovators <laughs> of the defensive shift. All right. Give, uh, so that's Butter where the pirates, that's yeah, where the pirates Butter got it from. Credit. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give credit where it's due. And that's where the pirates yep. and the Rays stole it from. So we've got that going on the extra inning rules. We still start with a guy on second base. It took me a while to adjust to that, but then guess what? Mm-hmm. I'm happy about not watching the Phillies in the 16th inning, forcing myself to stay up for reasons unknown in the middle of July. So yeah. that's fine. Just it's, end the game after 10 innings. It's, it's better for the, for the game. I yeah. think, you know, as a fan watching it or whatever, it's tougher for handicapping, but it's, not not the biggest factor, but it is a factor. Certainly, and doubleheaders are back to nine innings. I don't know what that means for me. I think that we both try to avoid betting doubleheaders yeah. because of, you know, that wonky. most guys aren't going to play both. It's wonky. You got a whole bunch of things, especially if it happens on a day where they're going to get out of town. Weird things happen. You have pitchers that don't usually start, right? Hey, and if I didn't live, if I lived in a basement – and could sit there and be ready for the lineups to come out all the time, especially for double headers when they're more unex- unexpected. It might be a different situation. However, I have to leave the house and stuff. So you do have to leave your house for a job. You have a real life, but if you find yourself at home, either taking a sick day or just not wanting to do anything, or if you're at home, not that, and- to, not that that's <laughs> never been done. Because I'm kind of jealous of you. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, if you don't have a job right. to go to, I'm kind of jealous of you. And the lineup yeah. cards come out, and you yeah. see that there's an edge, have at it, man. Have at yeah. it. But I try to avoid the double headers. And, but but we are back to nine innings. Part of the reason the past couple of years I've avoided, too, is like, well, seven innings. I don't know how long these guys are going to go. I'm not even taking a first five-inning bet because I might as well bet the full damn game because it's seven. So back to yeah. nine innings. So Yeah. With that being said, where should we start first? We can take it anywhere, a number that you like, a team that you like, and perhaps it doesn't even involve a bet, but we'll throw around all the numbers. JJ, the floor is yours. The first I'm just topic. I'm just gonna throw one player prop that I put out there, but I didn't bet it very large just because of my uncertainty with that sort of thing. I you know, I think we want to hear from Yanni because he he dives in deep with that player level type of situation. Um, but I went with, um, for the NL Cy Young, I took Julio Urias of the Dodgers. You know, I mean, I, look, he's not, I don't know if he's necessarily expected to be spectacular. And I think that's why you can see, still see him at 35 to one, but it, the team he plays on 
And if he can continue to progress, I mean, he put up 185, 186 innings last year. If he can get close to 190 again on a championship team, um, you know, being the control that he had, the command that he had last year uh, to be able to get a decent amount of ground balls, not a lot of hard contact with an excellent defense behind him. It just plays real well into setting up for those types of standard numbers that Cy Young voters are looking for. So I think a lot of that plus the 35 to one, I felt like that was worth a shot. I like that 35 to one shop that around last year, looking at his stats right here. I'm reminded now he was 20 and three. Is that good? Right. Two nine, six ERA. I'm sure all of his advanced metrics were pretty damn good also. And yeah, well, they weren't as good, but 20 and three, you know, almost 190 innings, you know, that's the caliber you just crank, you know, for some reason, if, if you're able to just really play well beyond expectation and still have that baseline numbers, the starts, the innings, and on a team like that, you're going to get the wins. Let, let me jump in because this was not scripted and JJ and I did not talk about this. Um, no, Sorry. I only have, I only have a few props, but I, I already feel good because his over win total was something that I had my eye on at 13 oh, and a half. Okay. Um, so obviously, awesome. you know, we're aligned there in the sense that we're seeing a guy and 13 and a half is not a, a low number by any means, but again, 120 games a year ago, going to be on a good team again. Is there any reason why he can't get to 15 wins this year? I mean, it tr- certainly wouldn't seem like it barring injury. So I think that, that's an interesting one. And I'm just going to piggyback on and, and I might not have a lot to contribute later, but um, I'm also looking at Clayton Kershaw again. If you guys remember, we talked about him last year. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I want to, I want to ride that same, about him. Yeah. I want to ride that same bet that, that cashed last year and they adjusted the books adjusted a little bit, but his over under ERA is still at 2.95. Wow. Um, and again, at this point in his career, I don't think that that's where he's going to get. I think he's a three plus ERA guy at this point in his career. It it cashed last year. I don't see why it won't again. However, um, and this has a little bit of conflicting rooting interest. I also like his overwind total, despite (laughs) the fact that I don't love his ERA, his overwind total is sitting at 11 even right now. And I do think that he's a good enough pitcher. Again, same argument, good ball team. 12 wins for a guy like Kershaw. If he can stay healthy, I think that that's a play too. So basically got the eye on two of those Dodgers pitchers, but uh, Kershaw is kind of the the interesting one because I think you can go either direction depending on if you like him or if you want to fade him this season. Yeah, part of the risk on Kershaw would be injury. But again, to you guys' points, I I like both bets and I will be booking them. But you are looking at a team here that's the favorite to win the World Series. They're under 5-1 to to win the World Series. The next lowest, if you want to call it total, is the Blue Jays. And I think a couple other teams are are at 10-1. to And over-under win total of 99.5 teams. So you have a team that Vegas even saying is going to win 100 games. They probably, what, won 105 last year? And the Giants had a fluky or 106. And they didn't win the division because the Giants had that fluke year of 107. Kershaw, a guy. They three, were awesome. Five, they were the Giants awesome. were awesome. Yep. They, yeah. 107 just wins. Just just did it start to finish all year. Just wowed yep. all year. And yep. I was on the record as saying in May that I think by, I forget what the line in the sand was. I, I said, I don't think they'll be in first place anymore. Well, I was an idiot because they finished the season in first place. So good job by Gabe Kapler. But. 
Kershaw, 11 wins. He won 10 last year. I think that's very doable. Stay healthy. Yes, he's not the Kershaw from before, and that's why that we are going to bet that. Did you say 295 is the over-under on the ERA, Yanni? That's, you got it. That's nice. I really like that. Even if he impresses a little bit more this year compared to last year and puts up a 325 ERA, a 315, which is a really good ERA for his point in the career, you're you're going to hit that and you're going to hit that over 11 as well. So very good. We can keep it in the NOS. Is there anything else that you want to talk about here in the NOS? JJ Oriani, I know the San Fran win total was 107 last year. They're over under win totals down to 85 and a half. San Diego really underwhelmed. They started red hot for what, four months, I want to say. Then they just they they really fizzled out. They won 79 games. I think I saw their over yeah, every, total at 89 and a half. And if you yeah. looked, it was wild because when I was digging into them from last year, it was like I forget other than Adam Frazier, I think there was another guy or two that came over midseason having good seasons, and they just got sucked into the black hole too. They it was did. really wild. It was they like did. that that last month and a half just was everything that could go wrong went wrong. Even the pieces they brought in to help with making a playoff push went down the black hole. So that's, that's pretty wild. Right. I'm not sure if that's a legitimate thing to expect this year. But, hell, it started real early with Tatis and the motorcycle and whatever's going on. Does it seem it, to me, and I'm curious to get your guys' take, a year ago, the Padres were kind of that trendy, sexy pick, and it seemed like they kind of buckled under that a little bit, obviously. This year, they're flying a little bit more under the radar, I think, as opposed to the previous season. So does that help them? There's a little less pressure, maybe. And obviously, we know where Tatis is right now. But, you know, I, I think that I've got to imagine that there's got to be something, you know, you mentioned that black hole. Maybe they don't get that this year because there isn't quite as much pressure as a season ago they still have a very strong lineup when you look at it there I don't see you know to me this is a team that could bounce back and let me just tag on one of my other props here um, and that's Manny Machado uh, home run totals there he he is at 29 and a half over under home run and this is a guy who's a perennial 30 plus home run hitter now last year he didn't get there fell I think he was at 28 if I'm not mistaken I don't have my notes in front of me here um, the year before he was a little bit injured. He only played, uh, I think he only had, I don't know, 130 at bats or something, but before that four straight seasons over 30, he was really around kind of that 34, 35 range. I think that that's a little bit of a market correction at the 29 and a half. I think it's fair. Um, but I think he gets back to kind of that mid 30 home run range here. So 29 and a half, I think there's some value there with Machado, um, and again, I like this team in general to maybe rebound a little bit from where they were a year ago, just because I think they're going to be playing a little bit looser. Well, and if if I'll add to you, you said there was five straight years there in the 30s. Again, 2020 short, you know, cliched short sample. He hit 16 home runs. And I mean, you you take in 60 you multiply, games, right? Yeah, that's that. it's only double that to get to the 30, you know, plateau and you, so he would, I mean, if you extrapolate, it's 2.7. So he would have been well beyond that again, short, short sample, but yeah, last year, if anything was a little bit of the anomaly. He definitely would have hit it. Yeah. I, I do like that bet. I like that. You raise a good point about this San Diego team at times and we'll, we'll see it with teams. I mean, it's such a grind of a season that you could be flying high and then things start to go wrong. You've got someone gets hurt. It just kind of capitulates. And that was 
that that was that team that capitulated last year. The Padres yeah. were the second highest favorite, I think, to win the National League. Yanni, to his credit, last year, I think around this time or in May, pointed out, hey, take a look at Padres maybe to miss the playoffs at plus, yeah. plus four something, which that was also a good bet. I'm not sure if you bet that or not, but if you didn't, um, just tell people that you did or hopefully and people was, counted, right? <laughs> I was um, down in 20. That, I was down was on great. them in 20, and their win total was pretty sizable. And they, you know, they obviously had that really big season. And then I laid off last year and then they tanked. But Yanni was dead on it. And I, you know, I see it, you know, but I don't know. Is this, this team is driven a lot by Tatis, but, you know, I think Machado is, he's just a natural hitter and he is that kind of guy. I mean, you look his, what his average the line for his average is 280, which is kind of interesting as well. High volatility team. I think that yeah. they are one of those teams that if they win 79 games, like last year, you're going to say, okay, it was a carbon, a carbon copy of last year. If they win 93 games this year and make the playoffs, you say, okay, that was not unexpected because they're over under win totals, 89 and a half. I think they're somewhere in between. I'm not going to play the over under win total, but no. let's Sounds see how right. that goes. Should be an interesting season in the national league West JJ, where to what team next? Oh my! Well, we I think we got to go to the where the champs are, the NL East, and that's the where NL your East. team lives, the Phillies. Fighting Phils. So, yeah, what are we doing with the Phillies, D? I was telling you guys right before we started recording that Phillies are up to eighty six and a half on their over under win total. <laughs> I'm not betting it. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not betting it. I think it's a tad high, and I'm not trying to be a hater on my own Phillies. I think that I'll be a believer when I see them not just get over 500 because they finally got that last year at 82 and 80, but still missed the playoffs with an MVP and Bryce Harper. Zach Wheeler was the runner up to Cy Young, right? So I need to see Nola be consistent. I need to see their off season moves, which I like Schwarber's in that lineup. I think Schwarber's an excellent ad. Cassiano, some sorry guys, no longer part of the Reds. He's on the Phillies. Some people say that it was an overpay and he had one good year, but I, I'd be like worth it having that cog in there. 20 million, I think he's making per year for five years. Sign me up. And then you got Harper. He's the MVP. Even if he drops off a little bit, he's, you know, in my mind, still a top 15 player in this league, Hoskins. And they no longer have McCutcheon. They still have a little bit of a question mark in yeah. center field, right? And the bullpen I needs mean, to solidify. True. And, and you know, like I, I think the Castellanos, um, you know, Schwarber, even though I guess Castellanos would probably play more in the field, but either one of those guys, you know, I liked the, um, you know, the perspective, which was, you know, the, the outfield defense was so bad that <laughs> you can't really screw it up I'm anymore. Cool. You might as well get somebody that can hit the ball hell of, hell of a lot harder. So that's what they did. That's what they're doing. Just going all in with hitting. It's about time because I've seen some of these lineups for a decade now, actually more than a decade. Last time that they made the playoffs was 2011 before Howard and uh, Lee and Rollins started to age. It was just painful. So they have the pieces in place. Their their odds to win the division are plus 340. I'm not going to touch it, but I'm going to see what happens in the first few weeks of the season, see what we're working with, see what the Mets are or are not working with, right? They're another team that is pegged for another high over-under win total at 88 and a half. Yanni and I always love betting the unders on the Mets because we're yeah. always skeptics on them. They already have a DeGrom injury. Is there a timeline on that one, JJ? I thought they said they were – 
like he was done for four weeks or something like that. Yeah, I think they said at least four to six weeks. At least four they, to six weeks. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not good coming out of the gate that way. So probably June at the earliest is what we're looking at at DeGrom. And who knows, for the sake of his career, I mean, hopefully things can get a little bit better here. But yeah. if you're not a Mets fan, you're not rooting for that. Thoughts on the Braves, plus 125 to win the division. We're not getting those those nice prices that we got last year on the Braves to win the division, but they did take that thing down. They took the World Series down after doing the exact opposite of what the Padres did, of hovering around 500 and then boom, <sighs> just, just basically didn't lose two games in a row again. They're without Dude. Freeman, which sucks, I know, but they've got plenty of guys to hold down the fort. Oh, well, I mean, Matt Olson. I mean, I know Freddie Freeman was the sentimental favorite. He was the 2020 MVP, but Matt Olson is as good. He's pretty damn not good. Better. Yeah. And, and, you know, Olson's kind of one of those hitters too. Not that Freddie necessarily had, you know, was that extreme, but Olson's one of those hitters and he plays first base that he, he can hit lefties and righties just as well, um, which means a lot when you play first base, because, you know, it's arguably less as, as taxing of a position. So you kind of expect somebody like that to to be in the lineup a lot more frequently. So you get a lot of value out of just something incremental like that. I think both of them you could just say was a, a nice even swap, but yeah, they didn't miss a beat there at all. 111 runs batted in for Matt Olson last year on the Oakland Athletics. Yeah. That's 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 pretty damn good in 2019, even if you go back he had 91 and then that that short season, that COVID season 42. Low average, but 2020, I think we throw everything out. He he only hit 195, but that, that was a 60-game season, and like everything was batshit crazy there um, in that COVID year. But Braves yeah. are there. They're, they're the favorite to win the division. Did you do anything with them in the futures market at all? No, no. I didn't. I mean, what are we looking at the win total right now? The win total, I'll pull it up again, but I'd have to think it's in that 92.5. Yeah, and that's – can't really disagree with that too much. Um, I'm with you on Philly. 91 I think and a half maybe on Fandle. 91 and I see. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I don't think I have a strong enough feeling about that because lean over. If, if, the, yeah, I, I lean over. I think if the Mets continue to have these rotation, you know, health issues and the Phillies don't really explode or don't can't, if the Phillies starting pitching can't really keep pace or what we talked about offline a little bit, if they're unable to, you know, put up the 180, 190 inning um, seasons out of three of their five, they could be in trouble because some of the younger guys aren't going to be able to go 150 or something like that. Suarez might be able to. So I think there's a lot of variability with Philly, but maybe they offer the most upside. But Atlanta is certainly the one that you really have to circle at this point in pencil. That's it. 91 and a half for the Braves lean over 86 and a half for the Phillies. That's a no bet. I'm, I'm trying not to be a homer and saying lean under, but I, I don't even lean at the under. I think that's a good number. Mets 88 and a half lean under Washington at 69 and a half with Soto. Who's a great player, but that team is just, that sounds about yeah. right. Miami Marlins 77 and a half. Yeah, they're an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that's kind of one of those teams where I think, you know, they're they're kind of notorious for having this up-and-coming young rotation. I'm not necessarily sure it's the time now. I don't think this is their year, but I don't know. I'm, I'm Sometimes I'm bad about judging that sort of thing. Uh, the lineup got better, so they do have a little more pop. 
in the lineup. A lot of that might kind of hinge on whether Abisail Garcia, it can, you know, kind of keep it going into his thirties. Same with Jorge Soler. A lot of that depends. A lot of the offense I think is going to depend on whether the power of those type of guys manifests or not. Otherwise they're still going to struggle with, um, you know, putting runs on the board and their starting pitching is pretty good or is really good. And the, the bullpen is pretty good, but I think, you know, that's, they're just in a tough, tough division, even with a Phillies, you know, that may or may not be 500 um, in a Mets team that may be down on pitching. It's, it's just a tough division to be in for them. It's tough to expect Miami to get to 500, which is essentially what you need to hit that bet at 78 wins. A few games, yeah. shy, 500 with those other teams. And I'm not saying that they're world beaters, but Atlanta is the world I, champion and the Mets and Phillies are, are in the mix. And they're one of the tightest win ranges that, you know, when I work through in my, in my ranges, some of them, like the Mets, I have one of the longest tails Right. On them High volatility, than any team. low volatility, like eighty-one to ninety-three wins. I just can't bet that. I just don't know where to stab <laughs> in that. Whereas Miami is one of the tightest, seventy-six to seventy-eight. So I, oh, you know, wow. I think that that's okay. I. Whether I would go under, I just would leave it alone. I don't know. Leave it alone. And I think what I might want to do in certain spots is if I take a look at Miami's metrics and it's not that bad, take a look on a game to game basis because they're they're not a team that's often favored and they could be a team that stumbles out of the gates. And there's there's going to be certain teams, especially in the month of April, first six weeks of the year that their record is a little bit worse than maybe what they should be. They're not driving in guys on base. And that usually regresses to the mean you'll have teams that that start out really hot that you need to take a step back. You might have a team like could be Miami could be the reds that it's like, okay, they're, they're okay. Not great, but they're getting a little bit unlucky also that their opponents are driving in all these runs with men in scoring position that'll regress to the mean. Take a look at that. Yeah. And the other, that's a really good point of what you want to look at because there's often opportunities, you know, earlier in the season before we, and we did this last year, you know, a fair amount early, you know, when we would talk, we were looking at Houston, um, you know, that was one of the things was they came on strong at the end of 2020 into the playoffs, that offense clicked back against 60, 60, you know, game season, the, their offense wasn't all that great, but yet, you know, my expectation, our expectation was for them to come out of the gates. We found nice first five inning over two and a half runs against a subpar pitcher at plus money quite a bit early in the season. Miami, ironically, even though they don't have that good an offense, they have a better offense. They have the potential for more power. And I think it's the power that leads you to be a little more comfortable with consistency and run scoring. So a lot of it comes down to Soler, Garcia, if they can bring a little more pop to the lineup, you might be able to find some cheap team totals with them in good spots against, you know, eh, pitchers that, you know, these guys might be able to tee off and drive some runs in. Makes sense to me, especially earlier in the year. Maybe the scoring's kind of depressed a little bit because of the elements, said. If they run into a nice little stretch and you catch them while they have good prices, maybe even plus money type of thing, it's not going to be there for the second half of the season as the second two thirds. So that's where you, I think you really have to be paying attention for good opportunities. It's a grind. Got to keep tabs on it. Pick and choose your spots. I'm not saying bet every day, but you got to keep tabs on it and keep track of the numbers, refresh all the data pretty often. It's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint as they say. 
let's go to another team that could have a marathon of a season, your Cincinnati Reds. I don't know if it's going to be a good marathon or a bad marathon, probably just NL Central in general, but I think you guys might want to talk about the Reds, your team a little bit, right? And I think that Yanni might have a thought. Yeah, Yanni's got it. It's a, it's a letdown, but the market is really let down. I think Yanni's on to something. So what, 73 and a half their win total or 72 and a half? I think 72 and a half, 73 and a half, um, depending on where, where you're shopping there. It, look, it, you think about this, and we talk in sports betting about recency bias a lot. And if you followed the offseason, you saw three really good players shipped off of that roster. Um, and, you know, if you're if you're the media fan, whatever, you're like, man, this team, they just they're fire sale and getting rid of all these guys. But when you take a step back and you look at that lineup, sure, they're not going to be as good, but they've still got some talent and they have some young talent. Obviously, they're going to need some of those young guys to step up and play well. But I think their lineup one to nine is not horrible. I mean, they've got, they, you know, realistically speaking, I think that loss of Winker is huge for a lot of reasons. But outside of that, I, I like what this lineup looks like one to nine. Um it's going to require a veteran like Joey Votto continuing to play well. He started really slow a year ago before turning it on and, and actually playing really well in the second half of the season. Um, it's going to take a repeat performance from a guy like Jonathan India off of his rookie campaign. So they, you know, they, they've got to have some things fall in place, but I think they overcorrected that market when they put them at that 72 and a half, 73 and a half. I think this team still has enough pitching and hitting that they can they can hover closer to that high 70 win total mark. Um, and, and again, I think we also have to factor in the, the division that they play in there. They're not playing the Blue Jays and the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, they're they're playing <laughs> nope. probably an overrated Brewers team. They're playing a you know so-so Cardinals team, the Cubs, the Pirates. I don't think it's impossible for this team to win 78, 79 games. So, you know, I think when you look at that 72 and a half, 73 and a half. I think you get a little bit of value there. I think this team, even though they're not going to be as good as they have been the last couple seasons when they've been knocking on the door, um, I don't think they'll be knocking on the door, but I do think they'll play respectable ball. I don't see them being 100 games out of first place. I think they can hit this win total. 72 and a half, shop it around. I agree with that. JJ, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. They're not in a division that or world beaters at all. You've got Milwaukee last year. They certainly overachieved at 95 wins. I think that comes back. Now the Brewers are favored to win that division, but we're asking Cincinnati here to get to not even 75 wins, get to 75 wins in a division that basically sucks and they don't even need to look good doing it. Just get to 75 wins. It could be getting hot in the last two weeks of the season. You can stumble your way there as we love to say that sometimes you just stumble your way over. Just get us there, JJ. Yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. I'd love to see it. Hell, my mother would love to see that. <laughs> She's been waiting a while for the yeah, well, I mean, right? no, I mean, they had their shot in the playoffs a couple of years ago after 60 games and couldn't score a run. So that was that's what happens. Yeah, that, that was hard to watch. That, that was certainly hard to watch. It, it's been a while since the Reds have won a playoff series, though, right? Probably. It's been yeah. I try to I, I try to forget ooh, that. 90s, maybe. I, I think JJ, what is the biggest concern with the Reds? Their bullpen is that fair to say? Um, maybe it might be the fact that their rotation is really full of young guys. Yep, and those guys aren't gonna 
probably pitch more than 100 innings. So so you have to wonder where they're going to get their innings. That that's the only thing I think. If if we could bet the first half win total, that would be even better. Not saying that you know not to do not to do it. That's going to be the concern. But again, how vital is it against the Cubs? Are I don't know. I'm I'm a little lower on the Cubs than I think most people are. Um, so I don't know. I'm not afraid to say how crucial is it for you to have really B tier guys in the rotation in your three, four spots when you're going against Pittsburgh's and Chicago and not to be overly disparaging as much as Yanni, you bring up some good points. They still have some good guys in the lineup. It's just, they didn't have that, that the splashy names from last year. And I mean, uh, Winker was really good, but he missed a good portion of the season, a good chunk of the season too. So, you know, you still had that period of time where you didn't have that effect. And I'm not sure you could expect the same amount out of Castellanos anyways. So maybe good it point. was overblown um, the loss of those two guys. I think really one of the things that does hurt more uh, well, I shouldn't say more on like the magnitude, but more than probably expected is Tucker Barnhart going to Detroit. You know, he left in free agency and signed with Detroit. That's a pretty big part of it. Tyler Stevenson is a better, much better hitter. Um, and I think is, is becoming a good defensive catcher, but it's the problem is like, he's not going to play, you know, 130 games. So they don't really have a good answer as the second catcher. It was much better when it was Barnhart and Stevenson with Stevenson playing some first base and now could even play designated hitter. So that's maybe one, uh, one of the weaknesses, but I like bringing on Tommy Pham. I mean, it's just, you know, whether he lives up to be, um, you know, above average or not, he plugs some of that gap. And if Nick Senzel can stay healthy, which is kind of asking a lot, knocking on wood, he, hmm. He's a good good player too. I mean, he's had his chances and, and injuries have really kind of derailed him more than anything. But um, good spring, so we'll see if if Nick can stay in there. And I think I think if you get positive from Fam, positive from Senzel, uh, another good season from Stevenson, they've got a shot. Yeah, and I think that you know they've got some depth there too with Naquin and uh, you know the guy yeah. I mentioned last year who didn't really get his opportunity, but Aristides Aquino, you know, yeah. um, you know who's gonna he will get his opportunity this year again. We, you've heard D mention the word volatility. Here's a guy and an outfield that you just said they have a lot of volatility. I mean, they could potentially be a really good outfield. However, you got some young guys, you got some potentially injury pro guys, you got some unknowns there. Yeah. So who knows, is this an outfield that's going to be driving in a lot of runs or is this going to be one of those outfields that, you know, you look at and say, man, these guys aren't getting it done. I get it. That's probably why the market corrected to that 72 and a half, 73 and a half win total. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm just being an optimistic. Maybe it's a little bit of a bias homer pick, but I think they've got enough on that roster, both with arms and with bats. I think they can get there. Just need to ride some of the young new additions, some of the yep. young guys on the team, maybe get to an over ticket there. Yeah. Last year they won 83 games. They they had some parts of the season where they looked like that they'd be contenders. They did lose. Did Cassianos make the all-star game? Two all-stars. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you lose them, but uh, that's that's unfortunately the way that baseball is with some of these teams in the NL Central, like Pittsburgh. They they can't hold on to those big names, but you got to restock the pond. Yeah. And hopefully, the young guns can overperform, and maybe they'll they'll find their way to a, a season that's just under five hundred. Any well, other? Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. and, and they do have a couple guys that are just hurt right now, um, and I'm not sure. You know, the young Jose Barrera, the kind of up and coming shortstop form. I'm not sure how big of an impact he was going to get, but I think this would have been uh, depending on, you know, when he gets back and gets on the roster, this is going to be very formative to him. And, you know, he could be plus, but um, Donovan Solano from San Francisco, he, he was part of um, kind of that really effective platoon type of approach that that they were able to employ successfully so they really weren't missing a beat when they once again went against lefties and righties he's hurt right now just strained hamstring he'll get back in the lineup and be one of those guys that really can kind of cover up from some of the weak spots um especially against lefties i think that's the biggest weakness of this lineup right now for cincinnati but you get aquino if he has a decent season he's going to come in against lefties somebody like uh, Solano coming against lefties too. So those guys can h- kind of help mask some of those deficiencies. All right, let's stop talking about the Reds. I, guess. I, I was going to say, we, we probably need to move on from the Reds, but I was going to make That's one last Cincinnati point. Reds podcast. <laughs> That's right. What, one last point though, that, that again, I think when you look at that lineup, you got a guy who fizzled out in Cincinnati, who's still there and that's Moustakis. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. he's a guy who I think the fans have soured on him because he hasn't produced. They brought him in at big money. He's going to be playing full-time third base this year, which I actually think is an upgrade because Eugenio Suarez had obviously not figured out how to hit a baseball the last two seasons. Um, So, I mean, I think that you, again, you potentially start saying, man, they lost all these guys, but realistically, how much did they really lose when you shuffle in and out? So anyways, moving on there, I think we beat that one to death. Sorry. You could certainly have <laughs> a Phillies and Reds only podcast and just Oof. go to town. JJ's knowledge on the Cincinnati Reds is second to none, and we'll take a look at what they do. In the <sighs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's still pretty damn good. Are there any other teams in the NL Central that you want to touch on real quick? I know that the Brewers are, are favored. They're they're minus money, which I, I'm not touching that. Is there anything yeah. that that you're looking at to I, unseat the Brewers? Is it the the Cubs? Well, is it the Cardinals? I guess one passing note in the division, we talk about kind of maybe little angles to look for. Um, one of those that I really liked, but I don't know when this is going to happen. Um, but if um, O'Neill Cruz was going to be in the lineup, you know, he's, he's their up and coming shortstop. They put him down back. They're starting him in minors because of he needs to work on his defense or whatever, you know, but basically they're playing the service time thing probably, but if he gets in there and Hayes is having a good season, you know, there are situations where, you know, they have the opportunity, maybe looking at team totals or something like that. They're not a team that usually gets looked at for that sort of thing. But, you know, when uh, Cruz comes up and, you know, if, if uh, Hayes is having a good season, keep an eye on that. Vogelbach has power too. Okay. Okay. All, all that knowledge in your head, just off the top of your head, huh? A little bit, I guess. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> smart, smart baseball right. mind here. It, it is just an MLB preview podcast, so we'll, we'll save some of the teams and just save to see how some of these things play out in the coming weeks. Is there anything else that you want to touch on that, that you really like in the market? We, we haven't even touched on, you know, good teams like the Yankees and the Blue Jays. I think for the sake of time, probably also because I still need to edit the second part of our NFL podcast and post <laughs> that this week, right? Is there anything that you'd like to touch on? 
the AL East, we could probably do a whole podcast on that in itself. And and I don't think that the narrative yeah. or the story will change in the first week of the season. Is there yeah. anything that you want to hone in on real quick? No, you can I say mean, no. <laughs> yeah. Boston, no, I'm Boston done. New York to start opening day. I think yeah, that's, right. I, you know, like it gets a bad rap and justifiably so that those are always the teams that play in these primetime games. But this is a good start to the season. These they have top quality, top end pitchers, um, excellent lineups. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be very interesting to close this out. I'm just going to list some of the contenders in terms of the odds to win the World Series. I mentioned the Dodgers just under five to one. The Blue Jays eight and a half to one. If you can shop that around and get like a nine, I don't hate it. We'll talk about the Blue Jays, but they are loaded. I think they're over under yes. win totals like ninety two and a half and favored to win that AL East. Yankees at nine to one, Braves ten to one. Uh, going down and searching for value. Some people I know have talked about the Brewers at sixteen to one. I think that they're going to regress a little bit. Can't count out the Rays of the Padres, right? Seventeen to one, eighteen to one. Have you made any stabs in the futures market? Phillies twenty-two to one. Have you done anything with World Series odd? Or are you going to let it play out for now, fellas? No, just some division and win totals. Division and win totals, and maybe as we see what's what. See yeah. if there's any injuries as we get to like April 15th, 20th, May 1st in the calendar. We'll yeah. reset and we'll see what's going on. We'll see what these odds dictate and what these odds say. So mm-hmm. JJ and Yanni, appreciate the time as always. Baseball season's here starting on Masters Thursday. <laughs> Two screens, buddy. Two screens. Two screens. Dual Check out the screens. Masters podcast. Have all the screens up. Check out the Masters podcast. Drop that. The Golf crew did an excellent job with that. Tiger Woods is back. Tiger Woods is back, which Yanni, I think, is fading him. And I think a couple in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how those surgically repaired knees, legs, backs, shoulders, whatever he's got. We'll see how that holds up. Full is disclosure. A I'm is a there a lake at Augusta? There's, Just there's a couple of streams. River. Yeah, I'm Street. sure that you could find some water. Full disclosure, I, I am a Tiger fan overall, but I'm with you guys, sure. and I also um, bet him to miss the cut because what if yes, what if he, he is now a cyborg, a golf cyborg? <laughs> He's just been like sandbagging for a while. Then I'm going to lose my bet. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if he's in contention on the final day, I will gladly lose that uh, bet. Yeah, you know, to watch sure. that, that would be pretty awesome to see. Hell to yeah, do it man. again. To do it again. At the age of I don't know what he is at this point, 45 maybe. That is crazy. Fellas, enjoy your evenings. We'll talk real soon. Appreciate it. <laughs>